0: Hi, Jim here. Thanks for listening to this past episode of the Ski Podcast. Since releasing this podcast, we have a new supporter of the show. The Ski Podcast is now supported by Switzerland Tourism. They will be helping us explore some of the 355 ski destinations across the country, from famous names of Samaritz, Lax, Davos and Zermatt, to the lesser known resorts that cover their mountainous land. We will be reporting on them and telling interesting stories about the people who live and work there. In total, there are 7,067 kilometres of slopes to ski and 1,800 lifts to ride. And at least 80 of them are funiculars, which is good because I do love a good funicular. Well, there's a lot to do. So while we get on with that, you can get on with listening to this episode of the Ski Podcast. Thanks, listener. And thanks, Switzerland Tourism. Also, as you're listening to one of our early podcasts, may I suggest you skip to at least episode 12, where I guarantee it gets much better. You are listening to the Knowledge is Powder podcast. I am currently in a cable car. Now I know this isn't the usual start to the podcast, but this is a quick disclaimer. The sound quality from our guest isn't the the best it could possibly be. I'm gonna blame her dad's computer, and that's all I'm gonna say. But if you can get past that, it's a really good podcast. We talk about endurance skiing, uh, we talk about funiculars, you know, all the good stuff. So make sure you listen to it. Sorry about the the sound quality. We'll be back in the new year. Starting. Bonjour and welcome to the Christmas edition of the Knowledge is Powder podcast, the ski podcast. I am Jim Duncan. And for my friends that are listening, I just want to point out they're Nordic inspired ski jumpers, not Christmas jumpers. Okay. Um, My co-host is Ian Martin, who I assume owns hundreds of Christmas jumpers, am I right? Uh, Probably lower than hundreds, more than one. More than one, less than two. And we're also joined by Vanessa Fisher, a PR consultant to the ski travel industry. In today's show, we'll be talking about funiculars, walls and the ski clubs of Great Britain. Ian, have you been skiing since the last time we spoke? Yes, I'm delighted to say I have been skiing. My skied was on Sunday. Sunday, where were you? I was in Zermatt.
1: It was it was all right, although it was slightly disappointing because uh, there wasn't quite as much snow there as I thought there was going to be. You know, it was it was very good for mid-December, but uh, you know, there was none of this, you know, meter powder that was promised. Oh, well, that's a shame.
2: Uh, Vanessa, have you been skiing recently? Yes, yeah, so I was away last weekend as well, and I was on the edge of the Three Valleys in Saint-Martin de Belleville. And there was loads of powder. Sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. I saw your are Annoying.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was wonderful. Thank you.
0: And uh, just so you don't have to ask, I am um, in the Aosta Valley in Conge, and out of the window I can see right now um, at least a foot or most of the roofs, and it is powdery and fluffy and very, very nice. I've got a ski pass in my pocket and I'll be going out about half an hour's time. Um, Ian, as it's the Christmas edition, um, I thought we'd get ourselves, get each other Christmas, virtual Christmas presents. Yeah, I'm fascinated to know what you've got me. Um, for you, Ian, don't we get too excited. I got you a full ski outfit from Aldi
1: oh excellent we talked about that a few uh, podcasts ago didn't we and we oh, i remember saying at the time there's absolutely no way that i would want one of those
0: well now you have one and also <laughs> i know there was a there was a 50 pound budget for this um christmas present yes no so i had true. a bit had a bit of spare change and i got you a claudia Winkleman 2018 um uh <laughs> calendar ah because you know i'm such a fan of
1: claudia do you want to say why she's on top of my uh, list at the moment
0: uh, I think you're having a bit of an argument with Claudia at the moment about um, how skiing is a dreadful ski holiday. Is that right? Yeah,
1: well, I'm waiting for her to reply to me. But I did, uh, you know, she wrote this stupid article in the Sunday Times, which, you know, was for humorous effect, I presume. But she slagged off skiing a bit. So uh, I've I've offered her a free ski holiday. I don't know who it would be from, but I'm sure if Claudia wanted to come along, I could find someone who'd give her a free ski holiday. And you'd think she'd, she'd respond to
0: that. But um, I'm still waiting for our Twitter spat to develop. Brilliant stuff. Um, Do not suppose you got me anything? Did you mean? I did actually. I
1: thought I'd get you something very under undervalued, but something that should be used
0: more—a two-day Aviemore lift pass. Oh, I am super keen for that. Yeah. And they've got a funic- And they've got a funicular. And they've got a funicular. The only problem is to get it in the
1: budget. I had to get you a senior sixty-five plus pass. So you'll so have got to kind one. of uh, put a bit of makeup on for the day if you're going to get away with it. Or wait, uh, wait a few years
0: until I can claim my present. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if there's a validity on it. <laughs> uh, but Vanessa, I didn't want you to feel left out, so I got you a whistling marmot.
2: Do you know what? My youngest child loves marmots. I'll be happy to pass that on. <laughs> I did get a Christmas jumper, a new Christmas jumper yesterday, actually, which is quite exciting. An really? early Christmas got... present. Yeah.
1: And what does it have on it, Vanessa?
2: It what says "Let It Snow." Okay it's huh. good it's quite subtle and it's quite classy as opposed to the you know flashing lights well, yeah, and
1: i know all that, you're saying that we don't forget we haven't seen it it may that's not be classy at all.
0: a classy one that's what i like um ian um have we had any more great reviews on itunes recently you know,
1: I'd love to say we've had some great reviews on iTunes. We have had some five-star reviews, which is great. But no one wrote anything extra like "What an amazing podcast this is." Those presenters are so good, etc. So, if anyone out there is listening and they please do share your reviews because it it helps people find us. Give us five stars if you feel that's what we deserve, or four or three. Not really any lower than that. If you're going to go lower than that, I wouldn't bother. Uh, but um, and make a, a nice comment. That'd be great.
0: Yeah, essentially. Make a comment. That'd be nice. Right. Let's get on with the news. Um, here we go. OK, this season, um, I've seen the opening of the world's steepest funicular in the resort of Stu's in Switzerland. The 44 million euro structure takes on an incline of up to 48 degrees. That's pretty steep. Uh, a special feature of the railway is it's a, is a barrel shaped cabins so that rotate ensuring the passengers always remain upright, which is good because um, normally when you get on a funicular, you've got to guess how steep it is and position yourself the position you think it might be um, for pure comfort. So it's good that it rotates. Is anyone here on the podcast
2: skied in stews yet?
0: No. I've never even heard of stews till I read that article.
2: No, but I have been on quite a few funiculars, so it sounds cool. It sounds great.
0: I'm pretty excited. I'm, I mean, the skiing doesn't look great, but I'm going to go because... It now means I've only been on the second steepest funicular in the world. What's well, the <laughs> steepest? The steepest is obviously in uh, the Blue Mountains in Australia, in Katoomba uh, Railway. Right, obviously, yeah. I mean, the steepest water one, if you're interested, is in Linton and Lymouth down the road from me in North Devon. Uh, I won't bore you, I know a lot about funiculars. A
1: water <laughs> funicular? What, the water,
0: it's a water-powered funicular. I
1: see, water powered, right? Okay. Um, well, I'll have hmm. to put that on my on my summer holiday list or something like that, and pop over there. And there's a
2: book written also, by a friend of mine called The Last Night, and she's included that Linton Lynmouth funicular. So there you go.
0: Brilliant. I will. Um, they, they might even keep, still keep it in the book. It's, it's a good
1: read. Is The Last Night a book about? Traveling around the world, going on funiculars, and the final one that she does is this one in the southwest.
2: No, but it's a very dramatic story—a bit of a, a sort of historical. It's based on a, on an incident that happened there, actually, that she read about having been up that funicular. Okay. It sparked the it... interest in a story.
1: Is there any skiing in it? There's no skiing in it. Well, that's well. I so think
2: maybe we should go off today. that topic. Well,
0: that's that's the other podcast, Vanessa. I'll invite you back onto my uh, podcast. <laughs> that I do. I'll
2: wait for the invitation on that
0: one. <laughs> um, Ian, what uh, what news story have you got this week?
1: Well, I spotted uh, this one online in the uh, the Dauphin, which is a, a local paper for the kind of Savoy area. And someone has taken a photograph of what they believe to be a wolf in the Mirabel Valley. Uh, and I've seen this rumor uh, before last season. Uh, there were various people claiming to have seen a, a wolf going around. Now, I can't work out from the picture exactly where it is, but it's next to a road that's got a lamppost on it. So it must be relatively uh, uh, urban. I kind of visualized it living in that little bit between Latania and Mirabel Village, where it's really wooded around there, where they could... Um, eat um you know a little songlier wild boar and things like that but um yeah it's it's looks like it's convincingly could be a wolf or possibly a cross between a wolf and uh and something else another dog
0: i heard about i heard about this last year as well um one of the one of the companies i work with um they had reports of seeing wolves as well um, in exactly the area you described ian so Ah. it's highly likely um, I've never seen a wolf myself. I did see a badger once in the but that's uh, that's a different news story. Um, unless you spotted any animals? Well, I, was just about to say I
2: didn't see the wolf when I was um, skiing through Meribel last weekend. No, um, I'm trying to think if I did see any animals out there. Nothing of the very wild variety, I would say. A couple of dogs enjoying the powder snow—that was fun.
0: Do you know, my first ski season job was in teen and it was to promote a pub called the Wobbly Rabbit and I had to go skiing as a rabbit. Um, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'll tell you that story another time. It's just the only, it was an animal-related thing. That oh, head, I don't know. So. I mean, it comes
1: further up the list than, uh, than funiculars in uh, around Your Way. <laughs> you, you, how, this this rabbit, <laughs> rabbit costume, it was obviously full human-size
0: uh, costume, big ears. Oh God, Ian, it was miserable. Like it was the worst thing I've ever done. The pub was appalling and I just was skiing and walking round, just being the most deadpan, miserable rabbit, with French people just shouting, la <laughs> bonne and throwing snowballs at me. Right. And um, did you have to be I, wobbly as well? Were you like really in character? Yeah, I just um I got uh, got uh, got going on the old Toffee Vodka cheese and <laughs> wobbled my way around. Right. Um Let's move on from this. Vanessa, have you got anything um, news where that you'd like to tell us about?
2: Well, what I was thinking about is obviously Christmas is coming up. I've got three young children and they're all getting quite excited. Um, last year we actually we managed to fit in a few days skiing just before Christmas, but sadly this year's holidays haven't kind of worked out as well and there wasn't enough time to go. But yeah, I was just thinking about different ski resorts and um, what's going on. I had a one of the newsletters came in from Val Thorens, which was saying they're going to have Santas in Val in Le Monde, down in saint Martin de Belleville. And actually, we played a bit of a game last winter, skiing around Ski, doing a Santa spotting mission. And there was loads of them, sort of pretend ones by the chairlifts and a real Santa down in Plan. That was quite exciting.
1: A real Santa, <laughs> as opposed
2: to all the... Well, as opposed to the kind of stuffed variety that sometimes us just... You
1: know, propped yeah. up by if you have to be mindful of our audience, there may be uh, some younger listeners yeah, here.
2: Yeah, no,
1: exactly. If the real Santa was in La Plan, he was on his way to rural as well. I, I well, know. my, my, um,
2: my youngest, yeah, the well, they can get around quickly, can't they? That's the thing. Santa's a fast traveller <laughs> around the world.
1: Have you <laughs> seen one on a zip wire at all? They aware? do
2: have one that comes down into Arc 1950 on a zip wire. Yeah, it's incredible. I'm not sure why he can't just land his sleigh in the centre of the village there, but there you go. Okay.
0: I also believe that's where Boris Johnson um, goes on his ski holidays as well. Yeah. He, likes it. he does love a zip line. Right, um, and that was our news. <laughs> The Ski Podcast, proving that the Ski Chat is anything but hundrum. Remember, knowledge is powder. To get in touch with the show, tweet at the Ski Podcast or email theskipodcast at gmail.com. And this, this is now time for the Ski News. Um, the season had it. Oh, well, let's try this again, shall we? And uh-huh. um, on the, on the time I can't edit. Um, and now some report. There's, there's no report. Here we go. The snow reports. Everyone ready? Yeah.
1: Um,
0: it's widely said to be the it's widely said to be the best start to the ski season for a decade. There is a record snow level across Canada and the European Alps, and even in Scotland is having a pretty decent December. So I might use that pass after all. Ian, actually, um, La Plan. There is reported to have the deepest snow in France with a snow depth of two hundred and seventy centimeters. Uh, this is similar around the Tarantaise area. Um, here where I am in the Aosta Valley, I can tell you that the snow is light, fluffy and a skier's dream. So probably worth getting there. Stateside, though, the snow isn't so good so far this season. Despite some big, uh, and there's been some big snow resorts uh, in the in the states, such as Breckenridge and Aspen, that are struggling to open more than 15% of their runs, which is quite low um, and possibly quite worrying for the resorts as well. Um, back in France, Switzerland, Austria and Italy, there is a metre of snow potentially due um, in the middle of the next week in time for a new year. And with that much on the way, it must be time to officially declare it Snowmageddon in Europe. But the question Ian, is, what defines Snowmageddon?
1: Yeah, when does that hashtag first come out? Um, is it if it snows every day for seven days or more? Because if if it snowed that often, you'd probably get at least a metre and a half, I'd be thinking.
0: Uh, for me, the definition of Snowmageddon must be when the Daily Mail runs a factual story featuring a bus with roads, <laughs> walls of snow twice the height of the bus and Japanese tourists while claiming that um, it's the road to Val Air.
1: Yeah, I That's know that he one. Helps.
0: Yeah, they, they do roll that out.
1: But the Daily Mail, I don't think they're, they're interested in lots of snow unless it kind of stops the trains.
2: Or uh, yeah, I was just about to say Snowmageddon for me is when it's kind of carnage on a transfer day. You know, that's, that's Saturday yeah. or Sunday it's a Saturday on a day. weekend at sort of half term or New Year's when it causes total chaos for all the yeah. people. Yeah,
1: uh, I think it was two, was it two years ago when it snowed on, was it New Year's Eve and there were people heading out the Alps and they closed down the whole of the motorway there between um, Alberville yeah, and Lomitia and people were in their cars overnight. Yeah,
2: absolute chaos. People were being put up in sports halls, weren't they, for the night and, yeah, planes were... All re and in the wrong place.
1: God. Yeah, well we had a, a family here who was stuck in their car overnight. You know, they just couldn't go anywhere. That was that was it. So that yeah, was so a snow, imagine, imagine, snow right? again. Yeah. But if you're in resort and it's coming down and it's coming and it keeps it I think it's like consistent snow over a long period of time. I mean I think some of the the Alps just now, did they not have kind of ten days, you know, Tarantes area, ten days of, of snow? It, yeah. Yeah, it did feel a little
2: bit a like that last weekend. It just—it was just snowing and snowing and snowing, and um, I loved it because it means a lot of people—they don't like to go out, do they? The sort of the skiers that aren't so confident—they love a bluebird day, and so when it's overcast yeah. and the fresh snow that's is coming right. down, to me, that's a great time to get out there because the slopes yeah. quieter and.
1: Yeah, what was interesting about Zermatt was that although, you know, if you walked around town, it was very busy. There are lots of people around. Most of those people were non-skiers. They weren't even on the mountain. You know, they're just people who come to Zermatt because it's a famous place, want to see the Matterhorn, and they don't go skiing. Or they go up the Gornergrat, so the slopes are empty, um, which was a bonus. Yeah, and I think some of those resorts
2: are kind of um, interlaken and Zermatt that are targeting a lot of people from sort of Far East aren't they? Japanese, Chinese markets. Yeah. You know, some are interested in skiing, but I think the majority are there just to see the rotating cable cars and the big iconic mountains, the Eigers, the Zermats.
1: I've got a question for you, Jim. You mentioned that the snow is not so good over in, like, Colorado and uh, and a number in Utah, I think, as well. Do you think that there's some kind of cosmic force in the snow gods that is this is a kind of way of, of punishing America for voting for donald trump
0: um, i I'm going to say no because my guess is that people who ski don't vote for trump well, there are quite a lot of
1: Republicans who uh, like skiing I think lots of the you know they're quite uh, um, a wealthy set
0: who'd be very happy with his, with his with his tax cuts. Yeah, you're probably right. What was I thinking? Liberal people don't ski. Just just us three here. Us three liberals ski. The rest are all just uh, um, evil people. Yeah, They deserve to be punished. You're right, in. I'm yeah. with you there. Okay, good. Well, I want got to that. know so whether
2: there's any theories to when it's really heavy snow in Europe. Do they get less snow in America? Do you think there's a
1: finite amount, a finite amount of snow? Not it just gets, sometimes uh, like...
2: Um, like last year, America had amazing snow and Europe didn't have as much snow. And I just don't know whether anyone's ever looked to see if there's any correlation between, don't know, the weather patterns and whether either it gets it,
1: And whether we can justifiably
0: say they've yeah. got our snow, that should be Yeah. I think the I think the answer is God's a capitalist and it's basically whoever pays most gets more snow. This year we've had a whip round in Europe and it's yeah. coming down. Yeah. Right then, while we're talking about snow, let's do the ski deals. Knowledge is powder, the nonsensical name for the nonsensical podcast. This is the podcast for skiers and snowboarders. To get in touch with the show, tweet at the Ski Podcast or email the ski Podcast at gmail.com. Okay, and what ski deals have you got at the moment for
1: us? Uh, well, one crossed my uh, path, which was interested in because I'm I'm heading out there for the first time uh, next month, which is in the French Pyrenees. I don't mention it very often, but they've had pretty good snow as well. And uh, Ski Weekends are offering a, a deal to La Mangie, uh, staying in the uh, Residence Pic de Midi, which is a three-star. So You can go from Stansted for three nights. It's a B&B accommodation and it includes your lift pass. And it's £446 per person. So, if you, I kind of see this as being suitable for the sort of person who's already got a week's holiday booked, but they're, and it's not until uh, uh, half term or Easter, and they're desperate to get out there and get a bit of extra snow in now. So, I go for a, a short break um, over to there. I haven't been to Le Manger, I think I you've been there. Vanessa, it's, right? um, it's
2: one of the highest sort of altitude resorts in the French Pyrenees. It's, it is purpose built, so it's great for skiing and skiing out, so perfect. Um, you know, for a short break. And um, the most amazing thing is you can get up to the Peak de Midi. It's, um, you know, yeah. really, really worth a visit. And I think um, the ski pass in La Mongey includes the Peak de Midi. So um, it's well worth trying to get out and use one of those deals.
1: Oh, and, and the, the, the Peak de Midi is an observatory right on the top of the mountain range. I think it's the highest, it's certainly the highest it observatory. It is, yeah, France, highest observatory
2: in the west is, I think, how they describe it Um Western Europe as opposed (laughs) to somewhere else or higher (laughs) Anyways,
1: so So, um, you know, if anyone wants to uh, take up that deal, they'll just have enough time to tell me how good it was before I I, I go out there later in January. Um, What about yourself, um, Jim or Vanessa?
0: Um, I've actually haven't. I've been a bit lazy. I haven't got any ski deals this week. But um, my friend does live in Mirabel, and he's got a spare bed couch. <laughs> um, if anyone wants to stay there, um, it's probably around <laughs> about three pints a night. And a, and a pizza. Oh, just a so couple right. of Vanessa, couple ideas
2: from Anna Lowe, who I do do some work with. So it's a shameful plug. But I thought uh, a couple of things that just I spotted that seemed really good. One was a half-price offer to arc nineteen fifty which leaves on the 6th of January. So I know there's some schools that are still off um, on you know kids' holidays that week. Um, that seemed good value. It was completely half price, so in a six- or eight-person apartment. So that's uh, good value. And the other thing that was flagged up was um, they've got 35% off um apartments in morzine the following week so you know really i think it's just to say that in january there's going to be some really really good deals across the board and the snow's incredible so for people that can get out there like ian said have you know either an extra short break or perhaps if they don't have the commitment of children they can get out there for a week it's it's really worth you know trying to make that happen
0: yeah i think you're absolutely right vanessa like there are companies already dropping their prices way below um, what they advertise at the beginning of the season so yeah it's going to be for some reason the best snow and possibly the best prices for quite some time and that's all our ski deals this week Now, it's time to talk to Vanessa, who's joined us very kindly. Vanessa has worked in the travel industry for 20 years, but more than that, she is a passionate skier and has turned that love into a career. Having done ski seasons and worked for the Ski Club of Great Britain, Vanessa now runs her own PR company. Vanessa's love of skiing extends far beyond the usual peace cruising and apres ski that many of us um, just dawdle around doing. As She competes in regular ski events and trains quite a lot as well. So we'll talk to Vanessa now. First, tell us. What is it that you actually do, and how
2: does it allow? Well, um, so I fell into PR, which is uh, press relations, media relations, um, kind of by chance, really. And um, this means that I work for lots of different companies and destinations within the ski industry, and basically work my hardest to promote those, whether it's a tour operator or a resort destination. or a sports centre, um, and promote them to the press in the UK. So um, it's very varied. and because I love skiing and most outdoor sports, it, yeah, it does give me the opportunity to travel. In a nutshell,
0: very exciting. In a nutshell, but obviously, like this is um, it's the ski industry. How much promotion does it need? Surely, it's the d- easiest thing in the world at to the promote. From a destination's
2: point of view, they each destination wants to make themselves stand out over and above the other, I don't know, 300 destinations around the world or however many there are. Um, So, you know, what I try and do is pull out what makes the resort special, you know, the one that I'm working for stand out above all the others. And it's not to say that they're bad, it's more kind of what you can highlight in the place I'm working for that you know it's worth writing about and often that means that i have to organise a journalist to go to the resort have an experience there and then they come back and write about it in a magazine or a newspaper or a blog or talk about it on a podcast you know with that's the thing at the moment is there's so many different outlets for promotion it's in a way it's made our lives kind of easier i mean it's it's tricky because there are so many different you know twitter accounts and obviously this podcast is one of the better ones <laughs>
0: Okay, I don't mean there are any other ones, then, yeah.
2: right? <laughs> but yes, do you know yeah. what I mean? Kind of there is, the there's idea. a lot of different ways that you can promote yourself and it's finding the best way for the person that I'm working with.
0: So essentially you're saying that all ski resorts aren't just green red runs and fondue. You are know, out
2: there in Conge or Cognos or having you pronounce it. I've never been able to pronounce that. Um, mm. Yeah, no, but they Aos, Aos, Aosta Valley. Uh, you know, it's one of the places I love actually. And I don't think people know that you can stay down in that beautiful old town of Aosta and then get on the lift right in the town that takes you up to Pila, for example.
1: Um, so it's. Yeah, check and out, check out some Roman ruins, yeah, and yeah, out, some Roman ruins while exactly. you're there. Exactly. And, the and it's, it's, so it's India. finding those
2: little stories, yeah. and nuances, the things that make a place interesting and trying to get those messages out to the people that are booking the ski holidays and hopefully get them excited about going skiing
1: yeah I think I think back in episode two we discussed the I think it was more of a philosophical question as to whether all ski resorts are essentially exactly the same Uh, Jim had a a big list of uh, uh, things that they you know they do tend to feature but I think your your role is really to find all uh, uh, the reasons not you know why they are different those peculiarities that they uh and people often say to me well what's you your favorite
2: else? resort you know skied so many different places and I actually find it really hard to answer that because resorts suit me for my you know the different things that I want to do so if I'm taking my family I'll choose you know a certain place if I'm going for like a crazy ski race weekend I might choose somewhere else if I'm want to do a road trip which I've done some road trips around Canada, for example, they kind of, you know, really suit that type of adventure. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, all the resorts have different benefits, suit different types of people. And actually what you find is a lot of people will go back to the same resort time and time again because they, they find comfort in knowing how to get, I don't know, from their chalet to the lift, or they know their children can run out and get croissants in the morning if they're self-catering and they're going to be safe so there's you know lots of resorts that suit people for their different
1: reasons yeah i mean there are hundreds hundreds of resorts around aren't there but i think you've got to you know try a few different uh things from time to time i'm I'm guessing jim that this is your first trip through Hong
0: kong b a aosta valley where you are at the moment is that right? It is, my, it is my first time. I've never actually been skiing in Italy, um uh, other than like a quick trip to Lothwil from La Rosia, which doesn't really count. Um So, yeah, I'm actually really excited. I'm looking forward yeah. to go to Pila and really exploring this. Like yeah. It is a bit of an adventure trip, which right. um, not, not a lot of
1: people do, I don't think. Yeah, no, it's, it's, a, it's a good one. I'll be down, I'll be in Alanya, which is kind of just around the corner from where you are. Technically, it's not in the Eosta Valley, but it links into Tigressene and uh, Champlec oh, as well. Oh gosh, I'll I had one epic on. trip um, to Alanya a Alanya few years
2: ago. It's you'll love it, and it's if you haven't been there before. It's...
1: Well, I I haven't been there before. Yeah, it's a very <laughs>
2: special place. Very tiny, <laughs> it be but um, it's a real yeah.
1: Now you're you're as well as you know representing the different resorts. you do a bit of racing uh i believe and you, yeah i'm slightly terrified that of the prospect season, of what that that right? i've signed
2: myself up for but um yeah so several well actually gosh going back like uh f- sort of 15 years uh, my oldest child's 15 ah how does that happen um uh, <laughs> i took part in uh this amateur <laughs> race called the inferno which uh you did ian last year and um Yep. Had a few years of doing that and had some really fun times, and then I had a break from taking part. And um, several years ago, went back and have done the Inferno again. I think four or five times in a row, and it's slightly addictive. Um, well, you can probably describe it from your own experience. But...
1: I mean, it certainly it certainly is. I mean, the, the Inferno is a down an amateur downhill race, which you, know, you can't. Not quite anyone can enter, certainly anyone can apply to enter, but they do get more people applying than they are places. And you go from effectively the top of Murren, depending on the uh, snow conditions at the time, you could go all the way down to Lauterbrunnen. I don't think that happens, maybe only one in every five years. But we went back down to resort last year. I think, yeah, I can't remember eight, nine, ten ten minutes, minutes depending
2: on your ability. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. that's that's a long downhill run. That is a real thigh burner. And there's actually some uphill in it as well. So it's an unusual kind of race. But, you know, there are, it, it fires the adrenaline around your body. And I'm guessing, because when I got to the bottom, I just thought, wow, I want to do that again. You know, you never get the opportunity to kind of ski as fast as you can, uh, generally, because you're so worried about, I don't know, other people yeah, on the and, place and, and it's that itself.
2: Yeah, and the adrenaline, uh, and, it makes yeah, you it pretty tremendous. much sign up straight away for the following year, which is kind of what's happened to me. And then last year, some friends were talking, um, well, there's two, two guys that had been the only British people that had taken part in the series of races of which the Inferno is one called the Super Three. And so I sort of, has yeah. pricked up. And I thought, oh, this sounds quite interesting. The two, so the other two, where, the where first one he, is in Belle in Switzerland, which is a tiny little village, which again, I've never been to. Um, and it's a similar setup. So, you know, you start at the highest point and um, the race finishes down in Belle Alpe. I can't tell you actually exactly how long it is. I haven't looked at it in that much detail yet. Um, and then you move on to the Inferno the following weekend. So Coming back in between to work. And then the third one is in Sasfe in March, and it's the, I think it's pronounced Alala. And, um, you know, again, I think it's the highest right. glacier point start of a race, um, and it finishes down in Sasfe. So, and if you do the series of those three races, in each of those races, you get a higher start number. And obviously, from that's a real advantage.
1: Oh, yeah. So, so, so basically, basically, Vanessa, you're gaming the well, system. Well, that's one of the reasons for doing all three.
2: And the other one is that actually it kind of forces me to go away and have some fun with my husband. Because it's very easy. to just get sucked into working. And you can get through the whole winter and realize that actually we haven't been away, haven't skied together. And that was how we met. And um or right. Yeah, so we're right. husband and, and wife the key team, as
1: well, then.
2: I think we need one. Right,
1: is there a separate category? For <laughs> um, that? It could first of be... all, I looked
2: through about the last seven years of results, which are online, and I can't see there's any British woman that's done all three for ages. So I'm quite excited that you know I'll get my own little personal bit of recognition. Yeah.
1: Right. Okay. Well, that will, be, that will be a story in itself. You'll be, you'll be um, appearing in Korean Corner, which is coming up uh, oh, surely, God, well, there. be our you little go. roundup of <laughs> Olympic athletes.
2: Um, yeah, a crazy 40 something <laughs> year old Midlander who's going out to Switzerland to do these three amateur races. Well, well, really cool. Thank you. It's well, a new well, challenge. And with, um, with, um, I've been uh, you know, in the gym and trying to get myself a bit fitter for it all. So, see what happens.
0: No problem. Sounds very exciting. Well, as Ian, thank yeah. you very much, Vanessa. That's quite interesting. I, I might do it myself. Um, as Ian mentioned, let's find out what he's got in store for us. Well, it, it's really good timing, this podcast, because sometimes we're, we,
1: I think the last time, we just before Dave Riding raced in Valdez Air, and it was slightly disappointing for him in the end. Really heavy conditions, and he didn't turn out so well. But uh, yesterday, the Raced Then he came um, sixth overall in the slalom in Madonna. Higlio. Di Cam- <laughs> yeah, that one, yeah, that one. Yeah, he was uh did the fourth fastest second run and he was 10th after the first run and he went up to sixth, and that is his third best uh career World Cup result. And it's much more up where. He well, everyone I guess was hoping he should be, and after the promise he's he's shown for last season, so that's that's very encouraging, and uh, definitely we consider him to uh, still be a chance of a, a medal uh, and a podium in course Cheval. Uh, we've had a few of the uh, team uh, on the freestyle side of things have been over in China, where I think it's like a test event for the um, the next Olympics after this. I don't know what the field was like over there, but one of uh, the British athletes, Peter Spate, uh, came fourth in the half halfpipe uh, there, which is pretty impressive. Uh, so that was a, a good result as well. Otherwise, um, the main sort of, from a, a podium uh, point of view, we mentioned, I think in our last uh, podcast, that Jasmine Taylor, who's one of the uh, cross-country skiers, had uh, had picked up a podium. And that's been uh, backed up now uh by um oh gosh I've forgotten his name now it's going to be a, a he's a, he's a, the male cross country uh, skier hey. thank you very much uh andrew oh, sorry, picked, because you like up, think- uh, picked up a podium as well so they've you know there's definitely a potential I don't think britain has ever won a medal in in the modern uh winter olympics in the uh, cross country events but we've got um you know possibilities in the in the male and uh, female categories there so hopefully uh, uh, that should go pretty well um so that's
0: that's the general roundup wonderful Vanessa. thank you very much for um remembering that name all i could think of was all i all i could think of was dave benson phillips and it clearly wasn't him um Right. Um, well, that is everything we've got time for. Um, Vanessa, thank you very thank you. much for um, joining us. It's been I survived my to racing. <laughs> and maybe we'll get you back on um, in the future. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Great. Well, maybe you can come back and tell us how it went. That would be lovely. Uh, we, we will be back in the new year with more ski and snowboard chat. Thank you to our guest, Vanessa Fisher. Uh, from me and Ian, have a very Merry Christmas. <laughs> So you're going to join in and sing that with me, then, Ian? <laughs>